So we are in a short sermon series called Holy Moments. Um, Ruben and uh, Pedro, we, they had preached in the last two weeks, and we are studying the Christmas stories uh, in, a, in a different view of uh, looking at different characters, looking at different moments experienced by different people in the story, and looking at what God is teaching us through that stories. And Pedro opened the series with the story of Joseph, and he highlighted how Joseph's obedience led for God to fulfill his will in his life, and in a greater view, in the salvation story. And he explored how practically we can listen to God's will, how practically we can obey God's will in our daily lives. And last week, Reuben explored the episode with Mary, when the angel appeared to Mary. And he was saying that, that the moment of surrender that Mary expressed is not just a one-time thing. It's not just on one part of my life I surrender on one time, once a year. But it's a daily practice, the daily moments of surrender. It's a daily lifestyle that surrenders every part of your life to God, past, present, and future. And today we are going to look at another moment in the same Christmas story. The moment around the shepherds. How many people heard of shepherds in the Christmas story? Everybody, I'm guessing. When I used to grow up, we had like small dramas in church, and they usually put me as a shepherd because I can't act the main character. They try, they're like, okay, you go stand with there in the sheep. <laughs> kind of insulting. So we're going to look at, open up the scriptures to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to read the passage. So Pedro is going to read the passage for us from verse 8 to 20, and then we are going to unpack it one by one. Yeah? Okay. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in a field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Amen. Thank you. Uh, this is such a beautiful passage, and I, this last week, I've struggled quite a bit. I, I was thinking about it for like two and a half weeks on this, how to structure this sermon. There's so many details I want to cover. So let's get started. So the first thing that came to my mind when this uh, passage was given to me to preach is that I was asking Pedro, why shepherds are there in the story? 
what is the point of shepherd? Why not anyone else? So I was reading my commentaries. I was reading different scholars and articles and trying to understand why Luke is portraying the shepherds and what's the point of it. And I found a little bit evidence of what it is, but I still could, couldn't be convinced the exact reason why. Because the shepherds in that culture at the time, they don't have a great reputation. They're probably very low in the economic ladder of their society. They're often considered unclean because they work with animals and they usually touch dead animals so they can't, they can't do sacrifices. And they're definitely uneducated. And some the 4th century Jewish literatures say that you can't use shepherds as witnesses in the court because they are very unreliable, they cheat, they lie, and they, um, they have a reputation of being dishonest, right? So these are the group of people, extremely insignificant, and they are not any up in the ladder of the society, and they are very unreliable. So I'm looking at this... And looking at this, uh, this, this description of these people, I'm like, why, why shepherds? Why shepherds? And then it struck to me, like God is saying, why not shepherds? Why not them? See, God is reaching out to the class or a group of people that you probably would never pick. If you are writing a story of this greatest news about the birth of a Messiah, birth of the Savior of the world, we wouldn't pick a group of shepherds to hold the news for the first time, to be the witness for the news for the first time. And God is choosing this insignificant group of people and the author Luke, he couldn't even track down their names because they, they probably told the story and they left to the next town to watch the sheep. So uh, before we begin the sermon to unpack this passage, I want to I wanna ask this question. If... If you are here thinking, I'm, this church is a lot of very religious people. They're all very uptight. And I, I'm not one of them. I'm, I'm, I'm insignificant. I'm, I'm, I don't, they, they know Bible so much. They ask, they quote the Bible a lot. I don't know if I'm one of them. And I keep failing a lot. And this year has been a mess. I can't wait for the next year to start. I've made so many mistakes. And I want to tell you, church, God's grace can reach down to the deepest of pit and bring and exalt people from your humble state. And that's one of the prophecies Zechariah said about Christ. He lifts up people. He exalts them from their humble state. And Jesus' ministry reveals, if you go to chapter 4, over and over again, the gospel is preached to the poor and the brokenhearted. God's grace reaches out to everyone in every situation, even to the most undeserving group of people. So don't ever feel this morning that you are running out of God's grace, that it's not for you. Maybe you are not, you can't handle God's grace. It's for someone else who are deserving. Paul says in Romans, he who do, did not spare his own son but gave him up for us, how will he not give graciously everything? I'm jumping ahead of myself, but I want you guys to prepare your heart to hear the word of God. Don't feel close. Don't feel like it's not for me. Maybe it's too much. It is for you. Okay, let's switch gears now. 
Let's look at the passage. So in the passage, there's a lot of movements going on, yeah? So the shepherds, they were sitting, like, maybe in a circle, uh, on a fire, maybe, because it's, it's late in the night. And then, usually, the way they do it, they have, uh, like, a schedule. Uh, someone has to watch a sheep, because there is animals, they come and take the sheep. So someone has to be awake, someone's sleeping. They have this whole situation going on, and boom, the interruption the angel of the Lord appears suddenly. There's light shone around them. They were so bright. And what does the Bible say? They were so happy and glad and started singing Christmas carols. Is it what it says? Miracle, can you put that verse back again? Let's see what it says. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of God shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. NIV says they were terrified. If you like the old King James, they were sore afraid. They're not just afraid. They're sore afraid. Sore is exceedingly afraid. And you, you can see the same reaction in chapter 1 when the angel appears to Zechariah as well. It says a fear fell upon him. And we see very similar reactions in Old Testament prophets as well. When God appears to Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, it says, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Why is that? Because a lot of people say to me, is like, if only God appears to me and shows me he exists, then I will believe God. Very simple enough. But you cannot exist in God's presence. If God decides to show up right now in his full glory, I don't believe we can survive. Because God is God and we are not. He's otherworldly. He's not human. And the second thing is God is holy. He's extremely holy, extremely pure, and we are not. So God's, God, we cannot be present in God's presence unless something happens, something reconciles between God and us for us to coexist together. But there was a time when it did coexist together, when God and humans coexisted together. Do you know when was that? Back in the Eden Garden. See, when God created humankind, it's not to just like put them there and like, oh, you suffer and then we'll come back after 6,000 years. That's not the plan. God created us to be in a communion together. He created us to be in fellowship with him, to live among us, to go on walks with us, to be together in one space. But unfortunately, the humankind, we broke that relationship when Adam and Eve sinned against God, they broke that perfect relationship that existed. You know what Adam said first time when he saw God after he had sinned? Genesis 3.10 says, he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked so I hid. The fear comes the first time in chapter 3 there after you sin, you can't be in the presence of God anymore. You are afraid. 
you are filled with fear. Because Paul writes, in Adam we all sinned and we fell short of the glory of God and the wrath of God is revealed against all unrighteousness, against all uncleanliness and unholiness. And whenever we choose to sin against our conscience, against God, we are, we are falling short of His glory and we are afraid to be in His presence. I was um, I was thinking of an example of how what 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 illustration I can give, I, but I gotta put myself out there, okay? So don't judge me. So I love telling people how much I love basketball. Okay, I, I'm a big fan of NBA. I watch a lot, so I tell people, hey, I love basketball. I play a little bit, and I'm living in Portugal, so they do not know as much of basketball. So they immediately get impressed very much. They are like, whoa, Dina plays basketball. In the calendar year of 2023, I played three times in total with some kids in the pickup games. <laughs> That's all I play. But I just tell people I play basketball and people love to hear that. So in a couple of years ago, there was um, someone who came to church and he was upstairs uh, and he introduced himself and he was new. Uh, and they talked, and someone welcomed him, and, and the person said, hey, I play basketball. And they're like, oh, wait, we have Dina. You should meet Dina. He also plays basketball. And then they came to me, Dina, you want to go meet this person? He plays basketball. I'm like, sure, man. I'm, I'm going to go add him to the group, and let's go play. So I went upstairs. They introduced me, and I saw him right from, like, from here I can see him. He's like six foot six, which is over two meters. And he is uh, like built. I don't know what his weight is, but you can see he's built. He moved to Portugal on a transfer window to play for Benfica. And they connected me with him <laughs> to play basketball. And I'm standing there and I'm telling him, no, no, they meant basketball in video games. I'm not, I'm, no. And he's like this. I'm like, hi, nice to meet you. I'm going to go now. If, when I'm in a presence, see, when he's not there, I can, I can build up whatever story I want, right? But in the presence of something bigger than me, in the presence of something real than me, in the presence of something more genuine than me, I feel exposed. I feel naked. I feel afraid. See, when we, what happened when we actually choose the good for ourselves? What happened when we choose to disobey God, to do things our own way, to make our own choices without God's authority is that you are making yourself your own God. You're making yourself a fake God, just like I'm making myself a fake basketball player. You are calling yourself your own God. And when God's glory, the real glory, the real God appears... You are afraid. You are exposed. You are naked. And God knows that. And God knows your condition. He's not just there to scare you. He's not there to like, boom, gotcha. You're exposed now. He's not there to condemn you. He knows your fears. He knows your brokenness. He knows where that fear is coming from. You know what the first word God said in the story, 
that we just read, the angel of the Lord, to the shepherds, the first thing he said is, fear not. Don't be afraid. I'm not here to expose you. I'm not here to punish you for being an insignificant, being unreliable group of people. John writes later, for God did not send his son to punish the world, to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So fear not. Don't be afraid. If you're hearing the gospel, don't be afraid. The next thing you do is, fear not for behold. So the word fear not for behold is, behold is to listen. Look, observe, pay attention right now. First I said, don't be afraid. Now pay attention to what I'm going to say. Observe keenly because it's very important. And the verse says, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Because they're afraid that he, the glory is coming to punish them or like do something to them for all their wrongdoings. But he's saying, look. I bring you good news that's going to bring great joy. Not just for Jews, not just for Israelites, not just for some group of people, for all the group of people, including Gentiles. And the next verse says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So the angel is saying there is a baby is going to be born. Well, it's already born. Who is Christ? So the word Christ is a Greek translation of Messiah, the, the Hebrew word, the anointed king of Israel. And here it also says he's not only the Messiah, he's, he's the Lord. And in the same passage, in the literally the same passage, just two words, two verses before, it says the angel of the Lord, right? The Lord. And then says the glory of the Lord. The word Lord in Greek, Kyrios, right? And here, Luke is using the same exact Kyrios to Christ. He's saying this Christ is the Lord. There's no exception to the title. There's no indication of Jesus, this Christ is born. He's a good prophet. He's a good teacher. No, he's Kyrios. He's Lord. He shares the same status, same identity as the angel of the Lord, the Lord that comes from heaven, and the glory of the Lord. So this, this, this passage itself clears the whole question of if Jesus is God or not. He is fully God and he is fully human. And, and the angel is giving a sign to confirm that, right? Like, so, so the angel tells the shepherd, this is what's, gonna, this is what's happening. I'm going to give you a sign. So if I'm the shepherd, I'm like, whoa, God is already here? Okay, give me something amazing. To sh like, you know, like in the stories, all the baby Jesus has something. What's this called? Halo, halo. They have this thing, something like that. So there's light shining on the face or show me something significant and spectacular to prove that this is the Lord himself. And the verse says, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped 
in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Wait, really? Wrapped in a swaddling cloth? Have you seen those, the baby burritos, they make it? They put the baby and then they, they put cloth around it. I love the way some of my African sisters do. They do like this and they throw it on the back. And they put a big cloth. Uh, I tried, Gabby tried doing that, it didn't work. Uh, so she, has two ch she had two girls, uh, she tried both. See, when a baby is swaddled, when a baby is like, like with the cloth, what else the baby can do there? It can do nothing. It, can, it can't even move her hands. Maybe they stretch her legs or like move her body back and forth. See, that's a sign of impotence. That's a sign of you can't do anything. You need everything to be done for you. So, so if I'm the shepherd, I'm asking, so you are telling me the omnipotent God, the one through whom all things were made, the one who controls all things by his sovereign power, he's swaddled and allowed to be overpowered by swaddling cloths? Yes. That's exactly what incarnation is. And that is why this is so special. This is not just another baby born. Oh, this baby is going to bless someone. No, he's the maker of everything who willingly entered his own created world, who willingly wrapped his, himself in a swaddling cloth so he can become one of us. So he can become one of you. So he can become experienced life exactly the way you're experiencing it. He's not jumping hoops to get become more human. Do you remember when I said we can't coexist in the presence of God? Because he's God and we are not and we can't bridge that gap. We can't go jump there. That is true. We can't bridge the gap. We can't climb up and meet God. But he can humble himself and come down. He can humble himself and reach out to you. See, that's what happened on this day. The, cre the God who created everything, the God through whom everything was created, everything that sustains he entered into this world. He came down for us. So the incarnation is an act of love for you and me. And the incarnation is God's plan of bringing a savior into this world on this day when Christ was born. And that is the good news that brings great joy to all people. Not just in December, not just in the holiday season when you have good offers, but for eternity. This is the gospel. Do you believe in the incarnate Son of God? See, we use this gospel uh, message very strongly when we are converting into a Christ Christians, right? Like in the first month, two months, we, we hold on to the gospel and we, we get the confidence that we have in God. We fight our fear. We overcome our fear. We get boldness. But as Christians who have been living as a Christian for a, quite a while... We forget to use this gospel every day. We forget to overcome our fears every day using this gospel. We start with confidence with God and overcome our fear. But as time goes on, we go back to switching to confidence in ourselves. We go back to switching to fear. 
Maybe you're having a bad day and you can't wait for this year to be over. And you, you could have done things better. You could have taken care of your health better, your relationships better. Well, I could have done a lot of things better. I always look back and I could have served better, more effectively, followed up with more people, met more people. I could have done more courses in my college. I could have definitely walked better with God. And I feel like, man, I'm, I'm letting God down. I tried, I failed. God blessed me with gifts and talents and opportunity. But you didn't make use of it completely. And I, as I was struggling with this guilt, and as you are struggling with this guilt, and you're afraid that you're going to be exposed and being disqualified from this game, God is calling you and telling you, fear not. Fear not. And behold. Behold to the same gospel that I said 2,000 years ago. Behold. Look and take hold of this. Unto you a Savior is born. He came to you. He came to save you. The work of salvation is completely God's work. You don't change it after two years of Christianity. You don't change it. It's about like bringing your good deeds to God to be accepted by God. And hiding from God when you didn't read the Bible. And trying to earn your way back into God's presence. Oh, well, I can't pray. Let me go read Bible for the next two, three weeks and then... I can go to God's presence more confidently. No. Because you didn't earn God's presence in the first place. It was given to you. It's a free gift of salvation. Because it's a free gift of salvation, there's no fear in God's presence if you're in Christ. Paul says in Ephesians, because of Christ and our faith in Him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Nothing will stop you from coming into God's presence if you have Christ in you. Once what's broken in the Eden Garden began to start to be reconciled on this Christmas day 2,000 years ago, God was bringing His presence back to live with us on earth here. And that's why the title given to God, uh, Christ is Emmanuel, it's a title, means God with us. And this is the gospel message today. So when, when, the, when the shepherds heard this message, when the shepherd was filled with the boldness and confidence that comes from the gospel, beyond their own lifestyle, beyond their own sufferings, they're probably in extremely bad economic conditions, living day to day with no money. Beyond all that sufferings, when they heard this good news of the gospel, you know what they did? Well, first they heard it. We're going to talk about hearing first. And they saw it. And then they shared it. They heard it. They saw it. And they shared it. Well, I'm going to go back on hearing. How do you usually hear something? Because Barry always complains that I don't hear him properly. Because he talks to me about football, and we were talking about football, we were discussing. Today I'm going to expose everyone here, so who's next? So we're talking about football, and we are discussing about his 49ers winning or losing. And then suddenly I get a message, and I start looking at my message, and then he, he keeps talking and saying, uh-huh, uh-huh, 
yeah, amazing, man. And then he goes, okay, so tomorrow eight o'clock? I'm like, oh my word, what, what? I don't know, what is that, Barry? I missed the last part. And he's like, no, no, you missed the whole part. You didn't miss the last part. See, that's not even considered as hearing, okay? You're just saying, you're just being there, trying to make the person looks good. There's another way of hearing, is to receive information. You, you receive information, imagine someone's talking to you, you hear it, ah, okay, cool. And you do nothing with that information. You just hear it, it's gone. We, we do have a lot of conversations like that. I'm not saying you can't have that. Sometimes you do have conversation. People say how they are doing, ah, okay, cool. I'm not gonna do nothing with that information. I just affirm them and then it's gone. But there's another way of hearing. You take the information, you process it, you ponder it, you keep it, you believe it, and do something about it with that information. You can immediately say, well, of course, Dina, angels came and told the shepherds, yeah, I, can, I would pay attention too if the angels come to me. I, I doubt it. I think if angels come today, in the midway of this passage, we'll be scrolling. Yeah, what, what's that? Can you repeat it? All kidding aside, that's not the template of the scriptures, right? So if, even if you look at the Old Testament, God always speaks to a select few directly via direct vision or direct word or direct like appearance. God speaks to the select few and these few people go out and tell others, right? It used to be prophets. It used to be kings. It used to be different people that called, called, and then in the New Testament, it completely changed. God said, I'm not going to have any qualifications. I'm going to call the shepherds, just a random insignificant people, and I'm going to speak to them. Just like I speak to the Old Testament, I'm going to speak to them. So the shepherds in our story, they got the message from who? The angels. Everyone else in the story, who did they get the message from? The shepherds, right? You don't get an angel, but you get a shepherd. It's up to you if you're going to listen or not to the message. Most of us, I believe, hear the gospel from someone that you know or someone that you came across in your life with. And they're not angels, but they brought the word to you like a shepherd. And the verse says in 2018, and all who heard it wondered and what the shepherd had told them. See, this is what I was talking about. Everyone was marveling. Everyone was wondering at their story. But the scriptures did not specify whether they really believed it, whether they did something with it. They probably thought, wow, that's a cool story to tell my, tell my work colleagues. Or That's very cool. And they went back to their work. I know quite a lot of people receive the word of God like this, right? You hear the sermon, oh, it's amazing, amazing. And then back to my old life, back to the same routine, back to the same lifestyle, no change. They heard it all right, but it didn't produce anything in their lives. And I want to give you a contrast of what, how to hear it. I'm not going to go deep, deep into it because we're going to hear about it next week. In verse 19... It says, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondering them in her heart. See, Mary could have said, you know who else got 
the message directly from the angels? It's Mary. So Mary could have said, man, brah, I got a message from angels too. Who you think you are? I don't want to hear your, your story. No, she didn't do that. She got the message. She treasured in her heart. She pondered about it. The word ponder is more like she's connecting every dots there, thinking about it, studying it, meditating it. And that's the way you hear the gospel. You hear the gospel, you put it in your heart, even if you heard it a thousand times. I'm sure a lot of people might be thinking, oh, this, I know the story of Jesus. No, you have to hear it again, again and again, until this gospel, the word of God goes into your heart, you treasure it, you feed it over and over again, and it changes you and makes you more like Christ. You hear it the right way. And then they didn't stop there. They saw it. They didn't stop by just listening. They want to see it themselves. And I saw, and I, I was reading the passage. The passage never said, angels never said, you should go and see. They just said, this is a sign if you go. And they made the choice. They spoke among themselves, said, do you want to go? Let's go, let's go, let's go. Church, I want to invite you to come and see and taste the goodness of God yourself. I can stand here and preach the gospel all day, but I want you to experience it yourself. Come see what I'm preaching about. I can speak about my experiences, but I want you to experience God's goodness, you to experience God's forgiveness, God's love, God's mercy yourself. And you would say that, what I'm saying is true. And that's what the shepherds did. They went and saw. And finally, the mind-blowing one for me is that they went and shared what they saw. See, there was no mandate to share. There's nothing written in that passage about angels. Hey, don't forget to tell your friends and family and subscribe. There's no mandate there. There's no, like, go tell someone. And then the other thing I was thinking, I, I told you something about the, the, the shepherds, right? They have a really bad reputation. They can't just go in and tell people. People won't even talk to them. People won't accept them. People will despise them, maybe, some of them. They're not elite. They don't, they don't have, they're, they're not like a public speakers. They can garner attention from everyone. They're probably like running around and grabbing people and talking. They, they don't get respected for that. And even worse is that in that day, the Israelites believed that Messiah will come as a royal king, as a military leader, to fight against the Roman occupation at the time. So when you tell the story of a baby in a manger, it doesn't fly. It actually makes people mad because they think it's a blasphemy to call someone in a baby in a manger as God. But why did they share? Because they couldn't stop themselves. Because they're so filled with joy of... They're so filled with joy, this, this joy that brings... I'm going to tell people, even if they don't believe me, even if they're going to laugh at me. Man, my... I'm looking... I'm, I'm just getting emotional thinking about the shepherds. Their situation is so bad. They have no... If I'm like them, I'm like, man, I, I heard the good news. I'm going to keep it myself. 
you guys all hated me for so long. Guess what? I have the news now. They didn't do that. They went out and told everyone. Everyone they know, hey, listen, this is a good news, not just for me, not just for you, but for everyone. The message was so powerful that they heard. In that moment, they were so bold and they were witnessing the birth of Christ to others. Have you heard the word of God like the shepherds so well, like you internalize it so well that it changes you so well that you go see it yourself and you, you can't stop but tell people about it? I want you guys to behold and look at the story of incarnation. Look, observe. The omnipotent God allowed himself to be swaddled as a baby for you and me. And, and his love doesn't stop there. Incarnation itself is not enough. Yes, God came down for us. I told there's two problems. One is God should be with us. That's done. For us to get back in his presence, we should be holy. We are not in the same holiness level as God. So we should be made holy. So decades later, Jesus Christ was swaddled again, but this time not with cloths, but this time with chains. And he was arrested and he's put on the cross. And in the hours of agony and pain, while Jesus was hanging on the cross, he did not move his hands away from the nails. He could have. He's strong enough to that. But he didn't do that. Because only through his death and blood of Jesus, we receive forgiveness and we are made holy and we are got back into the presence of God again. And after he died, he got swaddled one more time. His dead body was swaddled. But after three days, nothing can hold him. No cloth can hold him. No death can hold him. That cloth was, Peter, Peter says in his testimony, that cloth didn't even move. It's like, an, like a mummified cloth. And there's the body just came outside. D.A. Carson says, it's not even like Jesus didn't even overpower it. He don't even have to overpower it because it has no hold on him. Church, I want us to behold this message. I want you to believe it wholeheartedly, internalize it, experience it, and most importantly, share the reason for this season. Share the reason for this great choice to others because it's so important. I want to invite the worship team and we're going to take some time to worship again here. Isaiah promised that God would one day tend his flock like a shepherd. And he will gather the lambs in his arms. So what it did take for God, for pure holy God, to carry us sinners in his arms. The scripture makes it clear. To carry his people, God had to take human flesh and let his arms be swaddled. Because the omnipotent arms were bound. Because he bound his own hands for us, he can carry you now. He can carry you through any situation. 
He can carry you through ups and downs. He can carry you on your day of so much holiness, on your day of so much lost. He can carry you on your day of extreme pain or extreme joy. Because he got swaddled for you and me. For God so loved the world, he gave his son, not to condemn us, but to through him save us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this morning, God. God, we, we will never get tired of hearing your gospel. God, would you give us the years like the shepherds to really hear it, to internalize this message? God, we, we don't want another sermon, another Sunday attendance so we can go back home and check off a box. God, help us to see, hear the word. Change your hearts. God, would you give us boldness this morning, God? Would you give us boldness to go see and witness what is happening? And to go share with others. God, give us wisdom to share. Give us courage to share. God, give us so much joy that it has to overflow. There's no other way it can. I can't hold it anymore. I have to tell people. Let your joy fill my heart today. Help us to behold the cross help us to keep your keep our eyes on you help us to keep your keep our eyes on the gospel and always come to your presence boldly never be afraid god i want to pray for people here who are hearing this gospel for the first time god would you change their hearts would you show them what you showed the shepherds would you show them the beauty of the gospel that changes them inside out. Give them peace. Give them the joy of salvation this morning. God, thank you for everything you've been doing in our community and our lives. We pray in Jesus' name.